Medical cannabis. Who knew that a plant could be the cause of so much controversy, discovery, and insight? Whether you're well-versed in the science of the endocannabinoid system, CBD, THC, and terpenes, or whether you're a skeptic, curious to learn about the real-world experiences of medical professionals and patients, we all have unanswered questions about what cannabis does, how it works, and whether it is a safe and effective medical treatment for a myriad of different health conditions. That's why each week on the Cannabis Friendly Guide to Wellness podcast, we'll talk with Dr. Joe Cohen, founder of Holos Health, a medical cannabis expert who in the past 10 years has treated over 25,000 patients with medical cannabis. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Amy Silverman, a registered nurse and cannabis educator. In today's episode, I'll talk with Dr. Joe Cohen about his experience as a pioneer in the field of medical cannabis. How did you end up as a doctor? Why did you decide to go to medical school? Well, basically, this is, I went to medical school back in the dark ages, first of all, as you can tell. (laughs) Um, I had been in the service, uh, and when I got out of the service, this is during the Vietnam days, uh, I decided uh, to go back to college. Um, And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, at that time. I was a biology major uh, and I loved biology. And one day I just got the thought, well, maybe I can go to medical school. And uh, it wasn't a long-term desire. It was just, boom, I think I want to go to medical school all of a sudden because hmm. uh, I enjoyed biology. So that's, uh, that was back in the uh, 70s, early 70s. And then um, I worked as an orderly uh, in a hospital uh, for a while uh, and uh, met someone who was on our floor. It was an orthopedic floor who had a spinal fusion. And he uh, was very involved with the osteopathic uh, uh, profession. And he wrote me a letter to a medical school. I applied to like 27 schools. Uh, 20 uh, allopathic and uh, eight osteopathic, so 28 schools at that time. And um, I was just hoping to get into one, and I did. Uh, So basically, I went to medical school uh, and didn't have any long-term desire. I hear from so many people who say, oh, I always wanted to be a doctor. I always wanted to be this or that. No, mine was kind of like a spur-of-the-moment decision. Yeah, sounds almost like synchronicitous, like you met somebody who kind of helped you open that yes. door. So I want to ask you also, um, I'm a nurse. I didn't know the difference between a DO and an MD, but you're a DO and you went to osteopathic medical school. What's the difference? Is there any difference? It's more of a philosophical difference, but it's really not. Um, when you go to allopathic MD or osteopathic DO, uh, they're equivalent degrees. Uh, you you learn basically the same information, except in osteopathic medical schools, they teach you manip- manipulative therapy, similar to what a chiropractor would do. Uh, so it's a little bit uh, different approach from that aspect. Uh, but many of the DO medical students, when they get out into their careers and their residency, many will go into the osteopathic manipulative part, but the majority would go into any general specialty. 
within medicine. So I did my medical school training at an osteopathic medical school. However, did my residency training as an obstetrician gynecologist uh, at a Yale affiliated hospital in Connecticut, which was an MD institution. So there was a uh, crossbreeding uh, between the two and their equivalents. Uh, there's one's not better or different. They're just different medical schools. Okay, that makes sense. So after residency, you became an obstetrician gynecologist. Yeah, so I had uh, my first experience uh, was in Brooklyn, New York at one of probably one of these hospitals got hit really hard with COVID Yeah, where I was doing what's called an externship. It was before internship while you're in medical school. And I was on uh, the OB ward. I was doing OB um, obstetrics. And um, one day the uh, person in charge, the doctor in charge said, somebody came in, it was a woman having her eighth child. Um, and uh, he's, she was on a gurney in the hallway. And he said, why don't you hang out here uh, while, until I get back? Well, I delivered the baby because it was her eighth. And it just came right out. And <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning of my obstetrical career. <laughs> I said, okay, now I, I hadn't decided what kind of specialty I wanted to do. But at that moment, I decided I want to be an obstetrician. So I spent uh, 30 years of my uh, medical practice as an OBGYN, delivered about 10,000 babies in a few different places, Connecticut, uh, Colorado, Wyoming, and New Zealand. So. Um, yeah, I, I uh, retired from that part of my practice uh, about uh, 10 years ago, and that's when I got into cannabis medicine. Okay, so I, because I, we work together, I, I know that you still have a lot of patients from your OB practice who you see in your cannabis practice and whose children sometimes you see that you delivered. And yeah. I, I have to say that it's really phenomenal to be able to talk with these people um, because, you know, it's rare to find a physician who really has that kind of community support where they take their patients with them into, you know, the different phases of their career. And I just think it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and I also <laughs> want to ask you, because... I think that you're known for this, right? You had one of the lowest C-section rates as an obstetrician. Yeah, um, basically I had a C-section rate of 9%, wow. um, which is uh, something you just don't normally hear. But I used to labor with my patients. Huh. Uh, I, I, you know, when I had a patient labor, I closed the office uh, and I went to the hospital. Wow. Uh, that meant missing a few appointments. It also meant uh, being in the hospital for a lot of nights. Just, you remember a lot of people deliver at night for some reason. Seems yeah. like, why is everybody delivering in the middle of the night? <laughs> We're already sleep yeah. deprived. But yeah, I used to labor with my patients and, um, huh. and was accused of being a midwife at one point in my career. <laughs> that was actually an accusation. I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would take that as a compliment. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty unheard of. I mean, right now in our hospital world, you go to the hospital and you just kind of get whoever happens to be there. Right? Yeah, and yeah, they have hospitalists now. I actually, the last thing I did before I moved to New Zealand to practice medicine there 
uh, I was working as a hospitalist in OBGYN, Mm. Uh, and I would take care of whatever occurred on the floor uh, at that time. So hospitalists are pretty common. But I was in solo practice. You, you don't, there, I don't know of anybody in their right mind who would be an obstetrician and be in solo practice. What that meant was wherever, you know, if we wanted to go to a movie or out to dinner, we took two cars and I had a pager because back then it was even before we had cell phones sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, you just didn't have a life, uh, basically, to yourself, and you beg somebody to cover you so you can get away maybe for a week into the yeah. Caribbean or somewhere, but uh, it was rare. You went for a couple of years, correct? Or Yeah, I was there for two and a half years practicing as an OBGYN, and then when I left New Zealand, I decided I was early, I was in my early 60s, and I decided I was getting a little bit old for this type of lifestyle. So when I came back to the States, I started practicing another area of interest, which was functional medicine, nutrition, lifestyle, supplementation, how to prevent disease, all of that. Um, So I was a functional medicine practitioner even in my OBGYN practice before I left the States, uh, or I left the States for New Zealand, I should say. so when I came back, I wanted to open my practice, and it turned out that um, my wife, who has autoimmune disease, uh, one day said to me, you know, I'd like to go to a dispensary here. This was back uh, in 2010, early 2010. Um, I'd like to go to a dispensary uh, because I, I want to see if cannabis medicine would help my pain. So this is... Uh, as the um, state of Colorado, I think, had passed um, Amendment 64, right? Yeah, they had passed it in around around the year 2000 or so, but it took a long time to get everything up and running. Yeah. So we were pretty early on as a medical practice, practicing cannabis medicine. I worked uh, actually in the back of the dispensary back then. Dispensaries would have doctors come in in their back room and and try to pass everybody who came through the door so they could sell their product. That's the way it was. Wow. Uh, uh, so I was just trying to make sure everybody had their medical card because at that point it wasn't legal unless you had a medical card. And that's how it was done at the very beginning. And then a few months later, I left the dispensary, opened my functional medicine practice, which was very heavily cannabis based. So a lot of patients came in because they wanted cannabis as a medicine, uh, and uh, and then we would talk about nutrition and other uh, factors and do some testing to see what their overall health was and combine that with cannabis as part of their treatment. So functional medicine, um, for, for people who aren't familiar with it, um, can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, functional medicine simply is, is all about looking for triggers of disease. In other words, when people go to a physician here uh, in our Western medicine tradition, I should say, uh, you know, we spend an average of seven minutes with your doctor, long enough to give you a diagnosis code uh, for reimbursement from the insurance or Medicare, Medicaid, whatever, uh, and here's your prescription, or go see this specialist, or you need this procedure. Right. That's the way we practice, and functional medicine is very different. It's all about looking for triggers of disease. Why, how did you get to where you are? And once you know how you got there, uh, you can try to figure out how to get out of there. 
so that functional medicine focuses on finding triggers of disease. And, but what I found in functional medicine, there was a much deeper understanding of how the body works than what we really, you know, we get so focused in our practice, like when I was in OBGYN, even though I still sort of am, but I'm not really uh, practicing it. You know, you, you have certain protocols and certain procedures that you follow according to what we're supposed to be doing. In functional medicine, it's a much deeper dive into the body uh, so that you can try to uh, help people self-correct. And then we use medication as a second line of treatment, not the first. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's very, our modern kind of healthcare system is so super specialized. Yes. The doctor, and they only look at this little tiny piece, this one diagnosis. But in reality, when you have chronic health conditions or serious health conditions, it's never just one thing. It's never just one part of your body, right? Yes. When I went to medical school, uh, and I graduated from medical school in the late 70s, uh, so in the 70s, when I went to medical school, uh, we learned organ systems. In other words, you had a cardiovascular system, a musculoskeletal system, a neurological system, a reproductive system, and all these different systems. And we learned a systems approach. And what was so crazy about this was that one system had nothing to do with the other. Right. <laughs> and that is absolutely absurd, the way we learned medicine back then. Yeah, it, You know, we're all one body and everything has an effect on everything else. Body, mind, spirit, you name it. It, it all comes together uh, and you can't uh, treat one without treating another. Uh, and you really have to look at the, the patient holistically, that yeah. very well-used term. Yeah. yeah. So when you started using cannabis in your functional medicine practice, what what was that like? What, how did that kind of happen? How does cannabis fit in to the function? So, yeah, that's a, at the beginning, I had no idea. When I came back from New Zealand, I st- started working on a dispensary you know, once or twice a week seeing patients. I knew nothing about cannabis medicine. Zero. Most people the only, right. <laughs> They still don't. Yeah, the only thing I knew, only thing I knew about cannabis is when I took a trip to Jamaica. Right. Fifteen years. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the bottom line is, cannabis as a medicine was something new to me. I wanted to, you know, kind of get my uh, put uh, stick my toes in the water and see what it was about. Uh, and then, as I started seeing patients, I started to realize, oh my God, there's really something to this. Um, so after I got into practicing and opened my functional medicine practice using cannabis uh, as a huge part of the practice, that's what brought people in. And then we would bring in functional medicine rather than the other way around. Um, I started to realize uh, that it can be used to treat a lot of different conditions. And I got very uh, interested in autoimmune disease because my wife has autoimmune and we were trying, I was very interested in researching autoimmune disease and causes and everything like that. We'll be doing a whole episode on autoimmune disease down the road here uh, yeah. in the not too distant future. But um, I started to realize with various conditions that uh, this was a very significant medicine, whether you're treating pain or whether you're dealing with cancer patients or autoimmune and a variety of uh, medical uh, in, uh, conditions, I started to feel uh, see that it worked. Uh, and then after I started seeing patients year after year, 
we would talk about how things were working. I see patients, I've been seeing patients yearly now for 10 years that, that come back year after year uh, for visits. And you have a lot of follow-up uh, and you start to learn from your patients what works and what doesn't work. Then there were courses. Uh, uh, there were many courses being offered uh, in cannabis medicine uh, throughout the country. So I would go to courses, a lot of uh, studies, be reading studies, textbooks, whatever, but it was all self-taught. Uh, and the majority of the self-teaching was coming from patient uh, feedback. Huh. Uh, there's nothing better than learning from your patients. It's just like being an obstetrician. You, when you labor with patients, you get to see uh, things that you wouldn't see. And right. this is why midwives, uh, what midwives do. Right. Uh, they, they labor with patients and they, there's this knowledge that you get from that. Uh, whereas many of my colleagues in OBGYN would just come in and catch the baby and that would, you know, their, that would be their presence during labor. Uh, right. You know, it, but it's the same way with uh, cannabis medicine. You, you know, once you start paying attention, you see people, you start to get an intuition into cannabis as a medicine. Uh, and that intuition uh, should be available no matter what specialty we're in. Uh, once you start paying attention to things and you develop an intuition, you follow that. Uh, and, it, uh, it, you, and that's when you brought up earlier about a 9% C-section rate. That was about intuition. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It, it's kind of the combination of the science and the art of medicine. Yes. When yes. you're able to practice with both. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating to me um, because on the surface, um, women's health and, and obstetricians, gynecologists, and cannabis doctors don't seem like they have very much in common. But I think that you actually just hit on what is the common denominator in those two fields when people who actually practice well um, and are successful. Um, it's that ability to kind of rely on the intuition that comes from understanding the science and also working with the patients and, and seeing how the science kind of applies in, in real life. Because we can do, and it's the same thing with cannabis, right? You can do um, very controlled clinical trials forever and ever and ever, but, he, but we don't live in those types of rigid conditions, right? Like that's not- Exactly right. That's not life. And that's what some of the, one of the things that functional medicine teaches us. In functional medicine, you know, the first chapter in the uh, in the textbook on functional medicine talks about studies that we do. And what what is a placebo effect? A placebo, uh, you know, it's real. People get better. They improve their condition because they think they're getting a medicine that they're not really getting. Right. And it improves. So it's all body, mind, spirit, and how things connect. Uh, yeah. Huh. So then that kind of leads us into talking about the why factor here, which is why, why cannabis? Like, why does this medicine work in the way that it does for so many different types of problems, medical problems, for so many different types of people? And in a, in one of our future uh, podcasts, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the whole endocannabinoid system, this whole system that we have in our body that we just discovered 25 years ago. 
I mean, we didn't know about an endocannabinoid system when I went to medical school. We didn't learn there was an endocannabinoid system until the early 90s, about 1992, 1993. Uh, it was discovered in Israel and, uh, and they found this amazing system that has a huge, huge, huge impact on our lives because our endocannabinoids, our own cannabinoids are there to bring everything into balance. When things go out of whack in our body, we immediately produce our own cannabinoids and they are there to correct. Uh, so when you have a medicine that has, has the same chemical structure as what we produce and it binds to receptors that we have, we're wired for this plant. And it has such a significant impact on our health. And uh, we will be talking about in our next episode, we'll be talking about how we can use cannabis during the times of uh, COVID. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's also, you hit upon a really important point that we, I graduated from nursing school in 2015. And the only education that we had on cannabis was for these people from the state who came in and did a presentation that equated cannabis with methamphetamine. There is oh no my mention of the endocannabinoid system at all. It's just omitted from the textbooks. Um, and I know from just research that less than 10% of uh, professional schools, medical schools, nursing schools, um, other allied health professions, less than 10% actually teach about the endocannabinoid system. Um, so it's, it's just one of those areas, I think, that could be a huge discovery. You know, it could, it, in a lot of ways, it's, it seems to me like it's one of the most underrepresented discoveries in science. We kind of see it in the economy and in changes in the world, like all of these states are now adopting medical and recreational cannabis laws. But the science side, the healthcare side, like they haven't really caught on yet. Um, do, you, do you see that like with your patients? And When I first started doing this 10 years ago, uh, it was probably eight or nine, maybe a year or two after I'd started doing this, I was invited to uh, by by the Boulder County Medical Society uh, to be part of a debate on cannabis because uh, it was really new that back then and I was one of the only doctors in the area way way back uh, practicing cannabis medicine and it was me against the world uh, you know <laughs> they had two other doctors on uh, on the panel who were very anti and the moderator was anti and everybody in the audience was anti and it was like Wow. Is what I get myself into here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's different now. All these doctors are referring patients to me uh, for, uh, uh, for the use of cannabis now. Uh, the moderator that I talked about, who was head of the Boulder County Medical Society, has been referring many patients. Uh, we've had pain management doctors who are very opposed referring patients, oncologists. Uh, even uh, neurologists, pediatric neurologists from uh, University of Colorado referring patients. Uh, it's it's a lot of general practitioners and alternative practitioners. So it's it's completely turned around here in Colorado. Yeah, we, we definitely still have our naysayers, but it's it's been a major transition because they get to see these patients in their practice, and the patients say, you know, I'm using cannabis. 
and it's really helping me. And they, the doctors are starting to get the message and now they're referring. And hopefully that'll happen in other states as well because uh, we're kind of ahead of the game here. Yeah, in Colorado is kind of leading yeah. the way. How'd you get into uh, cannabis uh, medicine? Oh, that's a good question. I, um, kind of like you, I was self-taught for um, a number of years and I got into cannabis um, before I even got into uh, healthcare. And I loved science and I've always loved biology um, and chemistry and human physiology. So I um, got my first medical cannabis card when I was living in um, Los Angeles. And I just did it on a whim. You know, I, I have autoimmune disease, which is one of my passions. Um, and I've had it for um, almost 15 years now. So I've kind of figured out what works and what doesn't. And I figured out fairly quickly that cannabis, um, specifically uh, CBD, has had a tremendously beneficial effect. And so when I started experimenting with it, um, kind of like you, there, there wasn't very much out there in terms of um, doctors giving advice or anything like that. So I just started doing some research and gradually it became a passion of mine. And I was involved in the cannabis industry before I went to nursing school. Um, so when I was in nursing school and I started to kind of learn more about the human body and then um, I had clinical experiences in all sorts of healthcare facilities where I saw just ridiculous amounts of polypharmacy where you see people who they go to one doctor, they get a medication. Every single doctor they go to, they get another medication. And a lot of times, all of these medications are to deal with the side effects of the medications that they're taking already. And, you know, they're for pain, they're for depression, they're for anxiety. And I just kind of, it dawned on me, I realized that um, the approach of, um, you know, breaking the body up into these individual parts and trying to provide medication for them didn't really make any sense. And I understood that, hey, here's an endocannabinoid system that regulates all of these other body systems. Why aren't we looking at that? Like how, how come that piece is ignored? And what if you were able to help these people use cannabis in a way that um, is beneficial um, and is medically guided? Would they be able to um, have healthier lives? Would it enable them to kind of live a higher quality of life? Um, and, you know, it was based a lot on my own personal experience. Um, and it's funny, I've talked to a number of different uh, healthcare professionals in the medical cannabis world who have the same entryway into this field is that they had a personal experience with cannabis or a family member did or a friend. And that kind of opened the door because it was such um, a far cry from the kind of taboo nature of the plant. Um, so in other words, my experience was so positive that I just couldn't reconcile how I could have such a positive health enhancing experience with a plant that the, the rest of the world is saying is a drug and is something that's very dangerous. Um, and so that kind of led me into um, cannabis as an activist and I just happened to meet you. And it was really, um, I think synchronicitous. It was just a synchronicity 
that we happen to meet and um, that's really you are the one who gave me my start kind of in the field as a professional I was kind of you know just someone on on the sidelines very passionate and um, I think you know I I owe all of it pretty much to you and what you've created here at Holos um, well, there's, there's nobody like it. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like Holos doing what you're doing. Well, uh, you've been helping me create this whole thing for the last, how long, how long have we been together in this practice now? Uh-huh. When did you start with us? Like, th- two years ago? Two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, we've come a long way in the last two years, and you've certainly been a huge part of helping move Thank things you. along. So. And here we are doing this yeah, now. Recording right. our first podcast. Right. Um, so I, I want to ask you a little bit more about um, the kinds of things that you do on a day-to-day basis with patients because, you know, it's very different than a lot of doctors. You're not doing procedures. You're not, you know, prescribing medications that someone goes to a pharmacy to pick up. So what is it that you actually work with? What do you do? Basically what I do is consultations, which is why I'm able to do um, Zoom uh, consults with patients right now uh, mm-hmm. because I don't have to physically see them. So, when, But when patients were coming into the office uh, up until six weeks ago, feels uh, like from a, now, two lifetimes ago though it does it's yeah. been a long time since we've all been together in our office yeah. uh, but when patients come in and we you know we get a pretty thorough history from patients and um, want to make sure that we're not going to have drug interactions things like that uh, going on and we're going to see what they're taking so maybe we can use cannabis and some lifestyle some functional medicine uh, recommendation to help them get off of some of the medications that may be doing them more harm than good mm-hmm. so we uh, basically will get a history and then we'll do the vital signs uh, and then we do a body composition test body composition is integral to my practice because we're actually looking uh, inside their body it's a very sophisticated piece of equipment it gives me a ton of information about their overall health so we can enter the functional medicine world on how you can improve your health so after we've done that we start uh, talking about what their conditions are, why, uh, why are you here, what is your medical condition that you would like to treat uh, using cannabis as part of your uh, treatment. Um, so once we do that, we get into very uh, specifics. Uh, we get into specifics about uh, what type of cannabis medicine they should be using. Should they, should they be looking at inhaling or tinctures or edibles or topicals or or whatever it may be, uh, and and how they would actually use it specifically uh, towards their condition. We may even make uh, specific recommendations on what they can uh, get at at a dispensary. So we get them a medical card. We fill out all the paperwork uh, with our patients. Uh, Everything is done before they leave, and then they get a medical card from the state within uh, a matter of a few days. and then uh, we follow up with uh, your help, Amy. Uh, you're our cannabis nurse, and uh, patients have a lot of questions. Uh, and you know pretty much everything I know, and probably even more. So, because uh, we've seen hundreds of patients together. 
so uh, they you will get calls from patients to do follow-up uh, and then we just try to tweak the medicine because everybody has uh, may have a different experience uh, with it uh, we also counsel patients who are overusing cannabis uh, there are certain uh, patients that we see that are abusing and so we talk about it so we get a history how are you using this medicine what do, what do you do what's your daily use or what is your use like uh, so we will also counsel patients on misuse or overuse and potential for addiction. Even though it's low, it still exists. Yeah. Do you um, see a lot of patients who are misusing or would you say the majority are using it in a medically beneficial way? I think it's the younger people, uh, younger patients who are more likely to overuse uh, but we're seeing a lot of elders right now. The fastest growing population of people looking for a medical cannabis card or people wanting to use CBD uh, from hemp, uh, this is, these are our elders, uh, people my age. Um, they are generally not overusing at all, and they're very conservative about uh, uh, trying to reduce psychoactivity and, and enhance the beneficial medical effects that they're looking for without the psychoactivity. Although right now, uh, with everything, everybody being locked down uh, and uh, the big change that's been going on in our lives, I think a little bit of psychoactivity may be beneficial for some people. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, so we, but we want to make sure people are using it appropriately. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I can kind of concur with that, that for the most part, the people who have the most serious illnesses oftentimes don't want to get high. That's what they'll say. They don't want any type of psychoactivity. They want to benefit from the plant as much as possible without having to kind of experience that, which, and, and they do manage to still benefit in many ways, which is, right. which is really interesting. Yeah. A lot of us were self-medicating a lot of, a lot of people, um, were self-medicating with cannabis for years and years and years, even though they were using it uh, for the psychoactivity, that was self-medication for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I see that. We could, we could get into an, a whole episode about that and about you know the differences between using medicinally and then overusing and kind of right. what the science says about that, um, and then what what you've seen clinically, that would be a, a good future episode. Yes, we've got a lot of future episodes. We do, we do. Well, I uh, am really happy that we got a chance to talk today and uh, I miss being in the office with you, but this is almost, almost as good. And yeah, uh, yeah just I'm looking forward to uh, growing this podcast and um, yeah, do you have anything else that you'd like to say? We're just making lemonade from lemons here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So no, I, I'm I'm really excited about doing this with you. I think I think it's a uh, it's uh, going to be a lot of fun, and I think we're going to have a lot of good information to give the public. I think so too. So um, just to be um, clear with people, if you have um, 
personal medical questions that you want to talk to Dr. Cohen or me about, you can go to our website, holoshealth.org, and you can schedule an appointment. And we're doing telemedicine visits, um, phone or video consults. And if you have a general question about cannabis, um, we would love to hear it and potentially address it on one of our future podcasts. So you can uh, send us um, an email uh, from our website um, or you can leave a message. All right, thanks for listening. Okay. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Amy. All right, we're gonna-